0: Episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about As the Crow Flies, episode six, which was crazy. AKA the one where Lale figured it out. So wow, I'm so excited to talk about it. Also, the one with Kenan's sweater, which Ezgi is so excited to talk about.
1: (laughs) Cannot contain my disdain for that sweater. I wanted wanted to burn it while it was on him. I hate it too.
0: um I am not drinking any tea but I did just have dinner and I feel very good about it do you have wings no <laughs> <laughs> what a waste <laughs> but I did have I got Korean fried chicken yesterday and I had oh. leftovers today okay so all
1: right that's wing, that's wing thing. adjacent yeah. it is wing
0: adjacent yeah. <laughs> it's breaded chicken yes <laughs> <laughs> what about you any tea Nope. I, for some reason, have uh, two
1: empty glasses at my desk with nothing in it, uh, so I can't tell you how that happened or why there's two. Why? 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 why I needed still two. So
0: much tea. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs>
0: I needed two, and you can't contain it in just one glass. <laughs> Sophia is also tealess and also internetless. So if you hear any uh, difference in her audio, it's not because our wonderful microphones have stopped working it's just because she's having a wi-fi malfunction okay so now I'm going to take us through what happened in this very eventful episode feel free to interrupt if I say something wrong because I'm sure I will okay so first of all the first like Three episodes had titles, but they're not doing that anymore. And they're also not doing, they did some narration right at the end, but they're not doing the intro narration, which I'm very happy about. Um okay, so we go back to the hotel room where Kanan has just planted a big kiss on Lale that she was not expecting, and says he's in love with her, and you've been giving and she's been giving him mixed signals. And she's like, what is going on here? uh he like completely unloads on her it's like really gross the way I don't know it was a weird confrontation basically he's been like you're so lucky you have two husbands a home husband and a work husband and what do I get I don't get to sleep with you so that was gross and
1: I just like hate him so much (laughs) so much oh my god that was awful that was awful and like that poor woman was just so like flabbergasted like I, I felt she so was. bad for her yeah
0: she was the definition of flabbergasted <laughs> yeah
1: it's just like I don't even know how to defend myself because this <laughs> makes no sense and you're insane
0: yeah um so that goes terribly uh and Lolly flies home that night instead of waiting for some early AM flight. I don't know. Also that flight must've been like 10 minutes
1: long. Like what a ridiculous distance to fly.
0: Why would you (laughs) book a hotel room for this? I don't understand. Anyway. Um, Then she has a conversation with Selim. So like her day is just not good. And basically Selim begs her to be honest with him and doesn't believe her when she says she's never lied. And she asks him, like, does he want to break up with her? And he's like, well, I can't because we have kids, which is, by the way, not a good excuse.
1: Also very bad <laughs> for the kids to like force them to grow up in a yeah. household where so there's no that idea. much tension. Yeah. So we to inflict that. trauma. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't do that. And he's like, I, okay. I think this was uh, the subtitles, not the actual Turkish, but he's like, it's too bad i can't be the cool guy who has a torrid affair and then leaves you or something like that they literally said cool guy. oh yeah
1: he didn't say cool guy was, <laughs> he literally just said like be like canon and yeah have have the affair and and then like like have a very i don't know like what the, what the right word is like a very like passionate i guess affair mm-hmm. and then go our separate ways kind of thing is what the turkish was basically saying yeah (laughs) interesting choice to translate it like that
0: the cool guy thing did not make sense the torrid love affair thing did make sense yes so it was a weird fight they don't resolve anything they basically are just like okay i guess we're just like co-parenting in this house together but not really talking (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's great uh life goes on and he still makes her breakfast though so that's nice um, yeah,
1: he's like a he's like a very decent man. He's just like super. He was like super ready to believe all the lies he was told because right. he was always insecure.
0: Right, right. Which I understand why he's insecure. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it makes sense. But Even he's, he's
1: way way hotter than Kenan, oh my god,
0: it's tough. I don't. I actually oh. don't know. I don't know. They. I think Salim's definitely gotten hotter. But yeah, because
1: Kenan's an ass crack. <laughs>
0: I hate him. <laughs> I like the sweater. <laughs> no, but
2: I, I do think that Selim is, is more attractive. I have to, yes. I have to go on. So yeah, like hot, is, hot grey yeah.
1: fox daddy vibes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Kanan's whole thing is just being like resting bitch face. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Yes. And then the whole, I'm getting ahead of you here, but the whole thing with the whiskey, I was like, I want to break that glass on your stupid (laughs) smug face. Okay. They were
0: both at fault in the whiskey conversation. Yeah. They were both being, yeah, that was
1: like way too much testosterone. That was super gross. (laughs) We will
0: get there. Women are not possessions. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, basically Lale just looks terrible. She looks like really sad and, and I felt really bad for her. She's not handling the men in her life like dissing her very well um, or being ridiculous around her, I guess, cause it's not her fault. And Kenan doesn't come into work, which is apparently very unusual. I feel like that seems like it would be on brand for him to not come to work, but okay. And, oh, this is a horrible scene. Lale and Muge, and Lale goes into Muge's office to have like a girl talk. And she's like, listen, Muge, like I feel really down. I need to talk about it. The men in my life are being fucking ridiculous and Muge is just like looking at her phone doing her lipstick and then like walks out which I I get it because what we learned last episode is that like Muge's been royally screwed in this whole situation but wasn't that like 10 years ago
1: yeah that seemed like again like you mentioned with like suddenly the episode titles going away and suddenly the narrator going away like and like one episode ago we learned that they had, like, they were initially co-hosts, and then, like, there was an awkward moment a while ago, but now it's, like, suddenly a key, key, like, plot point when Muge was fine, like, she seemed fine with them in the first few episodes. Um, I would have believed that more if we'd seen Asla Whispering shit in her ear too, Mm -hmm. like in the last episode, like not just like the flashback, but like also actively again feeding her lies or or kind of tapping into her worst instincts. But Mm -hmm. we didn't see that either. So it's like, okay, so you were like friends a few episodes ago, but now you're like remembering that you hate her. (laughs) It was kind of yeah. I didn't I didn't like it too much.
0: I think it's like she's there for her like well not professionally as we see later in the episode but she's definitely yeah. not ready to be there for her personally
2: I guess
1: yeah yeah I guess I, I think, enough hints that it was like that though sorry go ahead Sophia
2: no I was just gonna say that it, it does like it does not make sense although the previous episode was when she was drunk
1: mm-hmm. or the
2: previous time that she was like featured and they got really angry at her because she lost the USB even though mm-hmm. we know that she oh. didn't lose it so I think it's just been too long since she's been, like, featured. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: That's a good point. I completely forgot about the USB debacle. But yes, she was really pissed about that. It was
1: an accident and it fell, it (laughs) fell into coffee. (laughs)
0: it was gonna be the most important news anyone has ever broken on tv
1: (laughs) right but now like the entire world has forgotten like the source doesn't care it's fine (laughs) we're talking about solar panels and or whatever the (laughs) heck the big story was last time
0: (laughs) um yeah so okay so that happens that's bad like please don't treat your girlfriends like this ladies please support each other that was really not good when your friend is telling you they're feeling super depressed. Please don't walk away. Um, okay, uh, contract negotiations are ongoing, which is news to me, because I thought we had resolved that like three episodes ago, yeah. but apparently not. We're at some dude's horse farm, and um, what's her name, Gould is there?
1: Yeah, isn't he the owner of the, like, I mean, Gould is like also
0: Apparently, in charge I but like Gou, yeah he's as the I, head honcho but i think
1: they're married or like related somehow um but yeah he's like he's like the real deep pockets
0: mm-hmm. yeah but he would always so, choose the horse yes well okay <laughs> so we have to talk about the horse metaphor but not yes. in this section <laughs> yes okay um okay then we have goo and asla which it's just weird, I don't really understand this, we need to talk about this more, but they, Goo is like, I'm onto you, bitch, like, you've been here three months, what's yours, how did you survive all the other interns, like, what is going on here? And Asa's like, oh, I've been innocent, and she's like, no, nah, I don't buy it. I don't think we <laughs> saw
1: that full scene, by the way, because they yes. gave it to us in two doses. I thought the mm-hmm. first dose was it, and then the second dose came, so I think there's more but
0: yeah. We
1: yeah, can yeah I wouldn't
0: be surprised. Yeah. Um, okay, then we get to Asla's big move of the episode, which is just as Lale is going on air, she gives her phone to Asla every time and Asla pretends to get a phone call and pretends it's an emergency from someone named Melissa and Melissa happens to be Lale's daughter's name. So Lale like freaks the fuck out and basically freezes live on air Luckily she's able to text Cillium who is watching her, which because he's so sweet and um, finds out that it's all fine. And that is like the first thing that she thinks like, oh, this is pretty weird of Asla. There's something up with this girl. Asla's excuse is that she has a friend named Melissa who's having like boyfriend problems or something, which
2: is ridiculous. We know what you're doing, Asla. I mean, you wouldn't answer the phone call of a friend in the middle of the live broadcast no. unless like you knew it's an emergency
0: no 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 um uh then we meet canon sweater that's a bullet point then <laughs> then um oh this is interesting actually so while lale is frozen canon tells muge to get lale off the air but she doesn't Muga doesn't do anything for a long time and then she's finally like oh kick her off the air so also, we like, learned why is
1: Muge the only one with the autonomy to like give that well, command she's the
0: highest highest person in charge since I just, cannot stop there
1: but yeah, I guess I feel like the, I just felt like the control room people should have just like there there should be a code red like switch yeah. to commercial but, yeah, yeah well
0: I think it was int- I think what that showed to me is that this is gossip section again sorry yeah <laughs> that showed to me is that Lali really doesn't have anyone on her side besides Kenan who's really looking out for her and yeah. is not just doing their job so but he's
1: he's still but in the end he's still looking out for himself because he oh lives. of course
0: of course so yeah. gross. Yes, yes continue with the but recap yes. we okay, we will talk Watch about it because <laughs> when Lali's like I didn't take enough measures to protect myself that's like the first thing I thought of yeah um Bush Bush runs into Lale and just like gives her a little compliment. I don't know. He's just kind of like getting in there. He's his ambition has been awakened by being with Asla, I think. Um,
1: but but you're forgetting that he gave her that compliment after like hearing her say that, who obviously she doesn't know is Yusuf, she says, I think he's, I think she, because she thinks that it's a she, which I mean, we did, I did too, personally, um, is really talented, but is just kind of playing for the wrong side, um, Mm -hmm. or is kind of in a bad way, um, which I think is the first time anyone has acknowledged he's actually like good at anything because like even Osla is just like Osla is like incredibly abusive and like you know uh I mean he doesn't care like he doesn't care that she's condescending he thinks it's funny but like I guess in some way he was looking for validation and then she's like very without like having to was so nice uh without even knowing who she was being nice to um so I think I'm hoping again sorry gossip section but I think (laughs) this is like a turning point for that character and i need him to destroy osla yeah on the inside yes.
0: that's how you know that this episode was really good because we literally cannot get through the recap section
1: yes yes sorry
0: <laughs> um okay then we go to the uh like makeup room whatever dressing room and lale calls osla's bluff she's like oh call your friend melissa let me talk to her but then she's interrupted by a call from Özge, the erstwhile hospital assistant lady. <laughs> and um, Özge is asking Lale to be her maid of honor, which she had previously asked her, but then was like, er, and now is now asking her again for tomorrow. So, wow, like leaving that to the last minute, Özge. Um And Lale agrees. So that like reconciliation obviously threatens Asla because she's sowed a lot of lies in the relationship between Lale and Özge. Um, let's see. Okay, Asla tells you, Asla's kind of losing her grip at this point. She's like very, like, I have to go on the attack. Ah! Um, And she tells Boosh Boosh to post that she and Kanan are together, which is just weird. And it's also the first like untrue thing Boosh Boosh has posted, I think. So um, that's not good. Then Lale goes to see Kanan on the boat with the sweater. I'm sure Eski will have much to say about that later. And she's also, she's like, sure that something is happening. Kanan is like, what? No, there's nothing. And is like, no, bitch, I'm right. There's something happening. Then, oh, we get Asla and Yusuf on the couch watching the live stream of this wedding. <laughs> and uh, Asla tells an insane story about her life goals and pens. And then, basically, like, I need my pick of the pens or I would kill myself. So um, <laughs> she's doing great.
1: Just very normal. So normal. Very normal <laughs>
0: couch combo <laughs> with popcorn. Um, Yusuf says that Asla should think about how she's going to stay at the top once she gets there, which is good advice. He should stop giving her good advice. Uh, we get another clip of the guru Asla chat, but as you as said, I, I also agree. I don't think we've gotten the whole thing yet. Then the narrator is back telling us the lions are stabbing each other in the back, overplayed over a shot of goo, shuffling papers, so that's not good. Uh, (laughs) Then we're at the wedding, Kanan and Silyv are at a table together, sharing a whiskey glass, and we will talk about this at length in the gossip section, but another metaphor or simile happens and it's very disgusting. I think it's a metaphor, but I'm not sure. Okay, metaphor. <laughs> the glass is Lale, and Lale is the glass and I don't like it.
1: Yeah, um, I, need, I need the glass to injure both of their stupid yeah. man-heads.
0: Man <laughs> yes. uh, Sillium stakes his claim by chugging the whiskey, end of scene. Özge, finally let's slip to Lale that, oh, I was so sad when I heard you didn't want to visit me in the hospital. And Lale's like, I thought you didn't want me to visit you and
1: but she doesn't say that that's like an internal monologue internally yes yeah because she doesn't want to like ruin you know this girl's day or whatever which I which I she's a very big person for not being like wait what (laughs) she like
0: kept it together she figures it out wish she had just like started blurting it out to everybody because I don't like this whole keep it to yourself plan at all
1: it never Um, works it's always like works. no
0: but she figures it all out in the car. I love it. Do great thinking in the car. Um, and then Lale confronts Asla in her dressing room. I was so worried that violence is gonna happen. And basically they just kind of like have an argument where they like reveal each ho- themselves to each other. And Asla says, you can't fire me. Everybody think you're jealous. Am I fair with Kanan or something? And it's stupid. But I was like, like, "Girl, you, you don't lie.
1: have you don't have the dirt you think you have. Like, no. why is this blackmail worthy, idiot?" No,
0: it did, it it did it, it. Basically, what the confrontation showed was that Asla is not as smart as she thinks she is, and Lale is much smarter than Asla thinks that she is. And then we go to the group meeting. Lale has an announcement. Congratulations to Asla. She's being sent to Ankara as a reporter. Yay! Everybody claps. Woo-hoo! And that is the end of the episode. Asla
1: yeah, so gave some A-plus glares from her end of the Oh my gosh, the
0: glares. <laughs> and her like high ponytail with the yes. big cheekbone makeup, she was just made up to glare. It was great. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to be moving on into the gossip slash banter slash spilling so much tea we've been here all night already we've been here already we spilled some tea early but we got more to spill here where are we gonna start
1: i'm like super happy with this episode overall because it's just like after like what feels like this is the sixth episode right after five episodes of like us getting whatever she wants and mm-hmm. like massive cringe especially on Sophia's part um <laughs> <laughs> the one most susceptible to cringe uh it, it was really satisfying but also I still freaking want a backstory for us like I still want to know like this incredible obsession and neuroticism that she shows when she's like tapping her leg furiously mm-hmm. while is eating popcorn being like wtf and she's like i'll kill myself if i don't get pens offered to me <laughs> <It's> Like, <laughs> why like where does this come from were you not loved are you just in, like are you just like insane like your you know brain chemicals are way off balance like what the yes. hell is going on here <laughs> so i, I still want to know that but maybe we'll get more um now an episode Episode seven and eight. Um, although I do think there's going to be a lot of action too. Now that things are really in motion,
0: I'm just so glad that they they let Lale discover this in episode six, and that it didn't. Yeah. It wasn't like waiting, waiting, waiting until episode eight for her to figure it out and be a big climax. I think it's so much more interesting to have them like aware and maneuvering around each other. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think it was really great how like they built up the tension and the different parts. Like there are several, like when she goes to talk to Gul, like obviously Gould has her like caught or we don't know. Um, but like it, we're, they're showing like the low point and, and like how easy it was to catch all her lies. Like finally somebody talked to somebody else and they caught all the stupid lies that Oslo is spreading. But I'm still kind of worried because like Oslo seems to be really good at... You know, I mean, she, she, I mean, it's obvious now that it's like her downfall that she shielded herself from the situation. So she's like, well, she put that contingency plan in that, like, if she gets fired, it's going to be because, like, Bush was said that Lale was, I mean, that uh, Asla was sleeping with Kenan. So I'm just, like, confused as to how Lale is going to, like, save her own personal, professional life from this girl like yeah she's sending her to Ankara but like she either has to test something like my assistant was just like fucking up my life and talking on the same or I mean I don't even know how she's gonna fix that
1: I mean I think she she should come clean to like definitely the two men closest to her outwardly I mean yeah maybe it looks kind of questionable but I also just don't I don't know if that's like a career ending I don't know maybe I'm like so kind of jaded by like celebrities, various scandals. It's like, uh, I mean, is that really like a career ender? Um, but also if she's a woman and like usually it's like men who like things bounce off of and nothing ever happens uh, to them professionally. So maybe it would be different for a woman. Um, but I don't think that Osla's like panicked threats were like maybe the full picture because if the good conversation continued, I think good will try to maybe weaponize Osla in a way that's useful to her with these contract negotiations. I don't know what she'll do or what their conversation is going to develop as, but I think that there's something more there with like because Good either has to be a target of Osla's now, and that's a very big target. And I don't know. I don't think Osla is capable. It's not, not smart enough to take her down, and she probably knows that now. Um. So maybe they're going to work together, um, which would really be a huge threat for Lale. if, again, if you're just trying to just like strong arm her into accepting some shitty contract or something. But Mm -hmm. they wouldn't just bring up those contract negotiations and show the weird horse man for nothing, I think.
0: (laughs) Okay, we got to talk about the horse metaphor, guys. Okay, so what I took away from that, the metaphor about the horse handler and the horse, is that... Gu is the horse handler and Lale is the horse, and Gu is expendable mm. and Lale is not. So get your shit together, Gu.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I thought maybe the horse was Lale and the handler was Kenan because Kenan, they were talking about being the one like parading mm. all the other like competitors in front of Gul and, Gu and Horseman to be like, oh, look at all these offers we're getting
0: that's but, interesting
1: but i mean a good could also be expendable to this guy i don't like again i'm not i missed what their exact relationship was if they're yeah. a couple or if like i he's, think they were married yeah i thought they were too but yeah i don't know they see it just doesn't seem like a lo- very loving marriage they're like both Could just
2: be a convenience <laughs> marriage at this yeah
1: point. yeah totally Yeah, so the contract negotiations are definitely, I guess, suddenly, again, going to be a thing because we forgot about those for a bit. I, I I had the same reaction when that was brought up again, this episode. I was like, oh, wait, these weren't already settled. Um, yeah,
0: that was a little confusing, but okay, yeah. I'm into it. Uh, added pressure for every, every situation.
1: Yeah. I just need um, Dada to change all of her locks oh, and her phone passcode. and everything. She lives in
0: a giant glass house. Yeah. There's no way she could be safe.
1: Also, there's no way she's gonna... I still think she's gonna underestimate Asla's level of crazy, although she did say Asla... She did correctly recognize that Asla isn't afraid of anything, but I don't know if she's gonna take that to heart to, like, again, replace all her locks and security system and all of that, because I would be so scared. Um, Because this girl is everything now and has access to everything. So...
0: Yeah, I I think Lale is a little overconfident. Yeah, I think like in their exchange, it clearly showed that Lale's got the upper hand on Oslo when they were like verbally exchanging. But, um, kind of like Cersei in Game of Thrones, like Osla's like maybe not the smartest person in the room, but she will go the farthest, the quickest in yes. terms of reaction. Yes. <laughs> so she might just win anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: very good, very good. Uh. Analogy there.
0: <laughs> I don't love the trope of Lale looking haggard because she's having man troubles. Like, I don't know. I feel like she would be keeping it all together at work, but.
1: No, women are so emotional, Sammy. <laughs> we can't.
0: Women's makeup routine is highly affected by their emotional state. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's like women have, women rarely have any struggles, but when they do, you can tell because <laughs> we look terrible.
2: <laughs> but I think also she's just like very impacted cuz like her emotion her personal life is falling apart like her kid realized that like something's going on with her parents like I think that is probably just really overwhelming cuz like if one part of your life is unraveling but the other one's stable like I feel like you can put on like a happy face but like mm-hmm. if everything's falling down yeah it's the people you're going to for support who are like mugay and whatever like aren't don't give a crap and like you obviously can't confide on Kema in Kemat in Kenan or Selim like who do you even talk to? Like she has no one to talk to to say like I'm really scared. Like my life's going to shit. Something's going on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah she needs a friend, a female friend that's not Muge and not Uzgay because she's <laughs> not got much going on <laughs> yeah as you, would you like to soliloquy on canon sweater or...
1: <laughs> i just like one why does he have a yacht like
0: <laughs> that's where um... he lives
2: he lives on the yacht no he doesn't
1: <laughs> live no he has <laughs> an apartment
2: he's had the yacht since the beginning i think
1: yeah like again why does he own that or is he leasing i don't know how that works but he's also it's got a so stupid glass he
2: can wear naval knitwear <laughs>
1: yeah so Nautical yeah
0: knitwear
1: It's not nautical. It's just like it was, it wasn't even nautical. It was like it looked like a teenager that just learned to knit, like just went ham, like made a size like 4XL sweater after like 10 years of knitting. And then (laughs) and then I'm sure, I'm sure he the character paid like thousands of dollars for that sweater and the like oh, yeah. the show wardrobe department in real life paid thousands of dollars for the oh. or or they just again told like a random lady to just knit or man to knit <laughs> <laughs> to knit the biggest fucking sweater ever <laughs> and this and he was just like ah oh, lost in it like he was just you kind of his head was poking out a little bit like, like oh is that you <laughs> in the yacht in the sweater yeah he looks terrible also like it was the bottom was like the hem was weird it was like all like the
0: hem was weird I did notice that and the neck was pretty weird too because yeah it
1: was was just like folded in
0: yeah (laughs) yeah yeah
1: (laughs) oh horrible so I don't know what that was I mean if it was a reflection of his emotional state nice but otherwise no excuses well
0: i mean the problem is like i feel like they were trying to make him like oh i'm sulking and brooding but like he's dressed in all white and he's on a yacht drinking wine so like how yeah. sulking and
2: brooding can you be yeah
1: exactly you look like you're living a pretty good life there dude <laughs> also like again how do you afford that yacht how much money are <laughs> all it, these people
2: making <laughs> i think it's just him like his chill outfit like i'm not trying too hard and this is just what i wear oh on my yeah
1: i could it's tell like he wasn't penis. trying with that yeah <laughs> PJs yeah anyway I hate him and his outfits
0: <laughs> okay do we have anything else to say about the Canon uh, Lale confrontation where he's like you've been taking advantage of me by us being friends at work and you not sleeping with me
1: it was like so insane I don't even know where to begin like I don't even know if I could continue
0: it was just <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, I think it was crazy but at the same time I do think that Lale is like not self-aware about a lot of things going on in her life and she yes. just thinks like and and obviously Kenan is like not the most vocal about being like you're kind of leading me on just because we continue to work together and like I'm your closest confidant except like we've not been in a relationship for years and you're happily married to someone else so I think I do think that he has some points but at the same time like it's both of their faults like it's not just dale's fault and like she can't just know that the guy's like fault like brooding for her and obviously like asla was like kind of a catalyst for everything to totally happen. yeah
1: because she was telling him that she, that nada was interested for like several days now um mm-hmm. and like sending champagne and her name shit like that in the hotel even i, I think I, I don't know i think that it is very because she's so honest and straight up and transparent, like she naively, probably to her fault, expects the same from the people around her. So like, if Kenan's feeling something, he's gonna say it. Um, but uh, until like she is at, she is she sees that or she feels that, which again, just like you said, Sophia, she <laughs> could probably work on picking up some signals better. Um, but she didn't sense that. So she had no reason to think there was anything wrong with continuing their successful professional partnership. And if anything was off, she would tell Saydim, but she like doesn't think anything's off. And I think the only reason I was kind of surprised she didn't tell Sadim about, like, uh Canon tried to kiss. I me. wish she had. yeah, and I, th- I think she didn't because he came at her. In a way that she was expecting like at home about like her being dishonest like pretty much verbatim saying what Kenan said i think that threw her off and then she was also feeling a little bit guilty well, very guilty about the uh short kiss they had so i think she didn't want to make things worse also she was very frazzled <laughs> in general um but i think normal like without the Kenan altercation if it had just been like a kiss at the office or something i feel like she would have just told Satan, um and kind of put anything any suspicions to bed maybe even cut off the professional relationship but it just got so messy with like so many people coming at her in the same night it was plus like just everything seemingly falling to shit like at the same time was a lot for her so I do I I really I feel for her more than I criticize her um but yeah she should probably like not be so naive about like I don't know she's surrounded by sharks she needs to be more careful (laughs) Or birds, yeah. you're surrounded by birds. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think um, Sophia's point that she's a little bit oblivious is very important because, like, she she doesn't actively harm anybody, but she takes a lot of wins and doesn't really own up to her part in it. Like mm. we saw with the Muge anchor situation, um, she like didn't take any blame for that.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: with everything that Kanan has ever done, you know, is terrible. And I'm sure she knew about it, but she's like, I didn't do it. So it's not on me. And just expects her relationships with everybody to remain the same. Like she should have been aware that Muge is like still pissed off. So it's interesting. She's like not that good at reading people, I guess, even though she figured out Asla first. Mm
1: Mm-hmm maybe she just compartmentalizes because like it doesn't really agree with her moral code, but she has a very strong moral code on on the one hand, but like also is in cahoots with these, like I said, sharks all around her. And maybe that's how she can keep, can kind of, she just kind of bifurcates it and doesn't try to reconcile the two. Um, But with us, she was like, hell no, (laughs) because it was messing with her life directly.
2: Right,
0: right. Okay, any comments on Osla's life goals you think she's doing great in terms of setting out goals or yeah totally change them
1: really achievable really healthy (laughs) what was it what what is it it's a gatekeep gaslight girl boss or whatever the whatever the it's like a meme uh, that's like eat pray love uh, but with not good words (laughs) that's what she is
0: uh yeah I wow it's great I love the idea that that is her life goal is that there'll be a room full of people desperately trying to get her to pick their pen
1: (laughs) it's just like but like again she like has no demonstrated skills so it's just insane to me that she thinks like after a couple months she can just be it seems like she just wants to be like completely usurper but like literally what have you done other than try to ruin this lady's life like you have know well, and
0: she's also like and once i get to her position i don't have to be nice to anybody i'll just be there forever it's like but you're about to dethrone that person so how does this make sense at yeah all? yeah
1: so like you know it can be done because right. you're doing it
0: <laughs> right Oi.
1: not very smart um, very evil but not very smart <laughs> yes
0: okay what about the glass let's talk about the glass metaphor the whiskey glass canon and selim are sharing whiskey glass and the glass is lale and they literally say the glass has no opinion Mm -hmm. um so that's really disturbing and then whoever has the glass wins and canon's like i deserve the glass oh
1: yeah kid I was like I look so good with the glass I like look
0: great with the glass I deserve the glass and then <laughs> Suleen's like I have the glass and then he chugs the whiskey it's like really disgusting yeah yeah I don't like that Suleen participated in this like Lale is a possession and she's mine
1: yeah it's really weird I would have much rather just them throwing punches. That would have also sucked, but like, oh my god, least, that would have been
0: amazing. Yeah, if they broke at least the wedding more fun to watch. Wedding. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that would have been but great. at least like it, it would be more kind of respectful to Lale's like personhood.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, instead of analyzing her as personhood an object is the right yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was really hoping for a fight scene, but we didn't get it. We just got misogynistic
0: ranting. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys have any opinions for what's gonna happen next episode? Like I have no idea how this I don't think Asa's going to Ankara. That's what Asa No, is. I
1: think I think she's got some up her sleeve with good that's gonna keep her there. And I think Bush Bush is gonna start too. I think he's already, there's already some seeds of doubt that have been sown based on, one, also being insane and mean to him. Um, and two, the, the nice little chat he had with Lale. So I think, maybe not right in episode seven, but I think by episode eight, he's going to be doing some um, sabotaging of his own.
0: Yeah, he's, he's awakening to his powers.
1: Yeah, I have no predictions for like, Kenan's nonsense i don't care i want him to be gone (laughs) he's
0: not gone
1: (laughs) do you guys have any predictions
0: i have no idea you're like no so let the show happen at me very happy (laughs) passenger
2: (laughs) but i do think that bush bush and Asla are gonna have a falling out because i think when he bumps into when he bumped into lale and like made her drop all her papers and like he well no she made him drop all his papers and she felt so bad and like they had a a real human connection i think that that really like hit him hard and he realized that asla's like this heartless bitch sorry yeah redact that word but like she's a heartless human who like has no empathy and no you know kind of understanding with other humans and she's like really really self-centered but like on another level
1: yeah he really emphasized the empathy thing when they were having their living room chat and then she went on about pens i think that was the same conversation (laughs) um yeah I, i hope that he doesn't like straight up be like i don't like what you're doing i hope he like continues to act like he's helping her and then it's like a quiet undermining because as we said with not like it, the people who announce and then like I don't know and you've got something like Oslo working against you like that I don't know that's dangerous to show all your cards so I I hope he is more devious than not mm-hmm. is like not capable of being devious she's way too oblivious but <laughs> I think Bush Bush can pull it off
0: I like it Team Bush Bush I guess
1: I guess uh. Team
0: Lale really I'm Team Lale I just worry for her. And her glass
1: house. Yes. Glass house, which is also kind of a metaphor for her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, not safe for work moment.
1: Oh my God, so many. <laughs> Hotel kiss.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's bad.
1: Like, literally nobody helping the star of the network do anything. Yet. I mean, that's not really NSFW. That's just being shitty, but... <laughs>
2: no it them. is
0: not safe for work the fact that everybody's like oh we'll just keep it on her I guess Yeah. Like, <laughs> cut to commercial guy should lose his job whoever yeah. pushes that button totally
1: to I think it's that man with the silly hat that's in the, in the <laughs> control room it's he needs to go
0: yeah <laughs> yeah okay So now we're going to move on into our history section where we're talking about Tchaikovsky because of the insane musical decision to play the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies over Lale's announcement of Oslo's promotion. Maybe the weirdest musical cue of all time. (laughs) I do not, I don't know. I mean, I've seen the Nutcracker a couple of times. I don't think it has anything to do with this kind of situation, I don't know. It was so weird.
1: Yeah, I don't, uh, do. So, do we want to do the sugar plum fairies or do Tchaikovsky in general?
0: Uh, I can start with Tchaikovsky. Okay. Um, and Sophia, the histress, shall chime in wherever she wants. Okay, so Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky uh, was a Russian composer of the Romantic period. He lived from 1840 to 1893. And he had a very interesting life. Yes, Sophia's Wi-Fi is interfering with her ability to act as in this in this moment. Okay, he was the first Russian composer whose music would make a lasting impression internationally. And he wrote some of the most popular concert and theatrical music in the current classical repertoire, including the ballet's Swan Lake and the Nutcracker, the 1812 Overture, his first piano concerto, violin concerto, the Romeo and Juliet overture, fancy, fantasy, and the opera Eugene Onegin. I don't know how to pronounce it. Onegin. Onegin. He had a really interesting life. I'm very much enjoying reading this. Uh, definitely not Wikipedia article. Sure for
1: not Wikipedia. This is our <laughs> internalized knowledge. We just yeah, know. yeah.
0: I am definitely reading scholarship papers about him right now. That you wrote that you wrote. <laughs> that I wrote yeah. <laughs> from primary sources in Russian. Uh, okay, so basically he was born into a, a family that was well off, but not super well off. They really needed him to work. And so at the age of 10, he was sent off to school. Um, he was given piano lessons. Like as a three-year-old, he was like clearly a prodigy, but his family was like, no, you need to get like a real job. And so he was sent off at the age of 10 to boarding school. And then at the age of 12, he went to um, like a civil service school basically. This is during the time of the Russian empire. He didn't, he served for three years as a civil servant and also his mother died when he was like away at school when he was a tiny child. So he had some trauma from that and um let's see so then he ended up going to a conservatory where he started to become recognized but really nobody seemed to think he was a genius until he was like an adult writing these pieces of music and then people were like oh this is kind of good and the reason for that which I didn't know anything about is that He was the first one to merge the Russian style and the Western style of classical music. And so his work was really different from anything that people had heard before. And apparently Western style classical music was like very much um, the most popular thing. And people were very snobby about incorporating Russian influence into that. Let's see, He, he was homosexual by all accounts. Although, that um, history, which is very well documented actually, has been erased by the Russian state because of course they wouldn't want to acknowledge that. Um, But he had several long lasting relationships with men and he wrote letters to them that survive. Um, He also married a woman, but it turned out very badly after like two months they split up and he ended up wandering, he has wandering years um, when he wanders around Europe and rural Russia. And he during these years, his works started to get recognized internationally. And then he comes back to Russia and, oh, he was also like a hermit during the wandering years. I forgot to mention, but like he like avoided, actively avoided people, but then he comes back and is normal again. Seems like he had a lot of connections and friends in the music world in Russia and beyond. Um, and then he uh, ended up dying of cholera uh, at the age of 53. Although while his death was attributed to cholera, people also believe he may have taken his own life because he, was, um, he had a lot of problems reconciling his uh, sexual orientation. That's all I got.
1: All right, I can move on to the Nutcracker and specifically the Sugar Plum Fairies. (laughs) Uh, So the Nutcracker is, I think there's like no debate that this is the like probably the most performed ballet uh, in the world, not just in the US, but I mean in Russia, like the Bolshoi does a huge thing around the Christmas season, I mean not probably anymore. (laughs) or like not to the scale that it was but you know even even in in his native russia it was obviously a huge thing and then in the u.s like every freaking um local and touring group um seems to do a nutcracker during the holiday season um it was composed in 1892 um and the score is by tchaikovsky obviously there's i mean there are original choreographers but Obviously, each theater, each uh, ballet uh, troupe will adapt it to their own their own talent, um, and the libretto uh, or the plot is a, adapted from actually a short story from 1816 called "The Nutcracker and the Mouse King," which pretty much tells you the main character and the <laughs> antagonist um, in the title. Um, so, uh, the Nonsensical musical interlude that we get in this episode is specifically <laughs> the dance of the sugar plum fairy, which is actually singular. I always thought it was sugar plum fairies, but apparently oh. it's singular fairy. Um, at least according to not definitely not Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> um and the, and it actually um, it sound it sounds like from this primary source that I'm reading in Russian as we speak that um. <laughs> <laughs> the, cor- the original choreographer uh a man named marius petipa had a vision for how he wanted to choreograph the dance and he wanted the music to go with it to sound like um quote drops of water shooting from a fountain i just speed translated that i'm so good mm, at live translation yeah um and so Tchaikovsky discovered an instrument that and he didn't like create it but he was in Paris the year before the Nutcracker premiered and he was still working on it and he uh came across a recently invented upright um keyboard mini piano type thing called a Celesta which had just been invented like that year and he saw it in Paris for the first time he played it and he thought it sounded exactly like what the choreographer had described and so it was a it was a kind of a serendipitous perfect fit um so he composed that piece it, it you hear it in the second act um of the nutcracker when the prince and i don't even know what the name of like the girl he's with is <laughs> but they like show up at the sugar plum fairies um realm um and this music plays and there's a there's a I, I, probably the one of the principal um i don't know anything about ballet but one of the principal dancers women dancers i would imagine um is the one who gets this solo because i have seen Yeah, the the prima ballerina yeah that's it that's the word uh (laughs) the prima ballerina gets this fancy solo with this fancy music um and how we got that uh transposed onto the like morning newsroom meeting is still a mystery to all of us um (laughs) but anyway um yeah, very, very, one of the very recognizable melodies. Um, I feel like a lot of ballet does not, like, people is not immediately recognizable pop culturally, but the Nutcracker most certainly yes. is one that is instantly recognizable in this particular part of the Nutcracker. Um, I think almost anyone could identify what what it's called, um, even without the subtitles and Netflix telling us what they are, so yeah. Um, yeah interesting interesting stuff about Tchaikovsky himself and um my primary source research has has exhausted has exhausted all information (laughs) now about Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy so back to you Sammy.
0: I do want to emphasize (laughs) that I love the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy I think it's beautiful music I just don't understand what it was doing in that scene. (laughs) Yeah it doesn't
1: make any sense in the scene.
0: Okay, I think that's it for the history section. Very interesting reading. I will definitely think about doing more research about Tchaikovsky seems like a very interesting dude. Now we are going to move on to our favorite and final section, which is what the fuck Sultan of success and Fatwa's
2: hit list. So what the fucks? I think we said a lot of them, but I think some <laughs> of the metaphors were, I mean the horse metaphor, obviously. The metaphors, yeah. um, also, um you wearing those stiletto heels in a grass field? Like <laughs> who really filmed that? Because- there's no way that she could just walk freely there with those heels. I mean, apparently she can. You jealous? <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> um Also, I guess what the fuck the relationship between Gül and this man who was the one who, yeah, like got them the show in the first place. Also, what the fuck, gay and like also that pink like she's wearing lip gloss and then she's coloring it over with a pencil. Yeah, she's using That's a lip happens.
0: pencil on top of lip gloss. It makes That's no that sense. That.
1: No, so yeah. Yeah. wrong order of operations also her like hair was like a comb over kind of like <laughs> her was like weirdly covering her forehead in like a not aesthetically pleasing way yeah get, get it together girl what are yeah. you doing <laughs>
2: yeah uh, for sure.
1: i would like to nominate the sweater with a capital <laughs> s for <laughs> all three for wtf For Soul of Success, for like getting on camera because truly amazing (laughs) that it accomplished that. And then Fatma's Hitless because it's gotta go. (laughs) So that's. I mean,
0: I feel like the man underneath it could also go. So this is accomplishing multiple goals. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I would like to say the narrator talks about. Uh, lions stabbing each other in the back which I feel like we're really mixing metaphors here like lions don't have knives it doesn't make any sense
1: I didn't even think about that yeah that was really dumb (laughs)
0: Uh, I feel like they really should just give up on it you know They, they clearly realize that it's not working and they've like lessened the narrator's role over time but yeah
1: this is just not a complex enough show to even require like the help of a narrator. It was like, oh my God. It was the narrator so on the nose. wasn't
0: performing any plot purpose at all. No. It was like,
1: just crows no.
0: and lions, baby. Yeah,
1: <laughs> hashtag crows and lions.
0: <laughs> um, okay, do you have any nominations for Sultan of Success other than the sweaters? <laughs> <like this? laughs>
2: mm. For Sultan of Success? yeah. I mean, definitely the old dude, <laughs> yeah. horses and the horse, thunder, thunder, the horse. Thunder, thunder did thunder. great. I think thunder the horse it, like has a future because he's valued <laughs> more than another human being. So, wow. thunder's killing it.
0: <laughs> what about Lale? She figured out the whole plot. Yeah, well, but yes. then she yeah. announced
1: that she knows to her enemy. <laughs>
0: Boo. i mean that wasn't great it's true
1: but yeah i think so i think we're all in agreement that it's the sweater thank you next
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay Fatma's hit list <laughs> asla Kenan, Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> on
1: <okay>. the narrator <laughs> the
2: narrator <laughs> but i'm i'm still kind of mad at salim like I, I feel like he's not being like he's just like assuming a bunch of stuff and like believes lale's assistant more than he believes lale which I think is really crappy like
1: yeah he just needs to like come out and say what exactly he's i mean like okay he's implied what he's suspicious of but like if he would just straight up come out and say it like that is also straight up and she'd be like unequivocally no um but like he's he's being all like pouty and passive aggressive about it too
0: yeah I, I feel like he's just like oh okay we're just gonna have like a sad marriage now bye instead of like trying yeah. to solve everything. Yeah exactly.
1: Oh wait I have, I have one small WTF to add a little yes. bit late. <laughs> it's that it's during the whiskey convo where uh, Kenan implied that he knows more about like liquor than a restaurateur. I was like um <laughs> okay.
0: well he was saying he knows he knows everything about Laleh.
1: Yeah, yeah i know but like yeah, still yeah, like yeah. it was ridiculous no, yeah because um,
0: he's probably tired subject, <laughs> also chugging malt whiskey is disgusting
1: yes Don't especially and like disrespectful that thing is 25 years old <laughs> yeah, like geez. it's
0: disrespectful uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay well i think we did it We have resolved
1: we've resolved none of our nominations, but here we are.
0: (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. Congratulations to the sweater for being our (laughs) Sultan of Success and getting on air. I still think you're great. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh watch out to the sweater and the man underneath. Fatima might be coming after you soon. And she definitely knows her way around a sweater. Um And next time we'll be talking about episode seven, the penultimate episode of this season. I can't wait to see what happens. And we will talk to you guys next time.